when we talk about success in our lives, there's a large part of it that is on our shoulders. And there are times in, in our lives that we get put in dark holes. Now, I think 90% of the dark holes that I've ever been put in in life, I am the one that has put myself there. But sometimes you just get dealt a bad hand and you wind up in a dark hole. And no one comes and rescues us. Like we have got to be able to get out from where we are into where we're going. And so when I look at my life, I look at what God's done in my life, where I am, any kind of success that I have in my life that was not a complete free gift of grace and mercy, I attribute to one thing, and that's perseverance. The success that I have in life is not because I'm overwhelmingly attractive. Thank you for not instantly ridicule. Thank you for that. It's not because I'm crazy talented. It's not because I'm intelligent. A lot of the success that I've experienced in life is just because I happened to be the last person there when the prizes got handed out. I happened to be the first person that didn't quit on a, on a lot of different things. And the whole idea of perseverance, when you go through the, the New Testament and all the verses that Paul references, hey, we need to stick this thing through to the end. Because how many, how many loved ones do you have in your life that have walked away from the faith, walked away from family, walked away from jobs, and it's just like, just don't quit. Like, I don't know what to do to be successful just show up. Like how, what, what bottom level uh, requirements does it require? Just, just show up, just be a warm body. Um, a lot of the amazing things that we get in life, we get just by persevering, not quitting. So I want to talk about like how in the world I don't quit. Cause this isn't something that like I do this incredibly well. I want to quit many, many things many, many days of the week. So how do I stay in there? Well, a lot of times when we talk about perseverance, we, we talk about like running our race because Paul talks about running a race. But I want to flip that mental image a little bit. I want to talk about maybe perseverance is more like um, a mountain climber. So this guy is named Alex Honnold, and he's a psychopath. This guy climbed up the front, the sheer face of El Capitan, free solo. So no ropes. He climbed with a set of shoes, a shirt, and some shorts. And that's it. Hours. He climbed up a sheer granite rock face with just like, you know, a little finger hold and no ropes and no harnesses. I couldn't get up there with a rope and with a harness. I can't get 10 feet off the ground without my entire legs just, you know, the when you get like the sewing machine legs. Like any time that we have to change these lights, it is like I have this existential crisis. Now I can look at pictures of Alex Honnold on the side of a mountain cliff and I'm like, I've got to go to the ER. Just looking at what he does, all right? So there's this guy named uh, Edmund Hillary. He was the first person, well, first white guy to ever get to the top of Mount Everest. He's amazing. He did it with a coat. Everybody that goes to Everest now has four foot thick layer of like parkas and like oxygen masks. And dude like got up in the morning. This is, this is an amazing thing about Sir Edmund Hillary. He would wake up in the morning before the rest of his team would get up. He would go to the part that they're climbing and he would start chiseling in toe holds for the rest of his team. So he would climb up 
chisel in toe holds, put in anchor bolts, climb back down, wake the rest of his team up. They would get up. It's like, oh, this climb's so much easier. It's like, well, <laughs> it's because Sir Edmund Hillary was going on in front of them preparing the way. So as I'm talking about perseverance, think about what it takes to be hanging off the side of the mountain. Because I think it is so easy for us to quit so many different things that we don't realize the side effects. Now imagine Alex Honnold. I'm sure he wants to quit. Halfway up the, the front of that cliff, I'm sure he wants to quit. But the outcome of him quitting is stronger than the outcome of me quitting from my family. It seems like. Like, well, if I quit my family, I'm not going to fall to my death. And it's not going to... See, this is the thing. This is, might be a little bit too graphic. It's not that Alex would just fall to his death. He would fall for minutes to his... Ah... Ah... Like, multiple breaths of falling. Ugh. No. But, like... The reason why it's so easy for us to quit is because we, we mistake this, this number one goal. If you don't listen to anything that I've got going on, listen to this. The thing that will keep you from quitting, the thing that will produce perseverance in you is you have got to figure out why you're on the side of the cliff. Why are you in your family? Why are you at your job? Why do you believe in God? Why do you go to this church? Because if your why is just because, eh, kind of bored, there's nothing else to do, that is not going to, to cause perseverance to grow into your heart. And the first time the storm hits your life, you're going to let go because your why is not strong enough to keep you in there. Now, we're at a great time of the year where we're like reflecting on, on personal development and like what does 2020 need to look like. You know, This is a great time of the year to start going through the areas of your life and figuring out what your why is. So if you're going through your life and you don't have a why, like why do you believe in God? Uh, I don't know. What everybody else did. Well, figure it out. Either get a why or go do something else. If you're in your job, it's like, why are you doing your job? I don't know. I don't like being there. Well, you need to either figure out what the consequences of you not having your job are and get your why enough to like, why do you have your job? Um, I like eating. I like having a roof over my head. Well, that's a powerful enough why to show up to work. Why are you here? I don't want to starve to death this week. Like, how in the world do you let your boss talk to you like that? I like ramen noodles. And I would prefer to not, not have ramen noodles. So like you've got to get your why strong enough to, per, to let you persevere through a lot of hard stuff. The reason why I have a why with my faith is because I have had an encounter with a family of God that changed something in me. And I know what it's like to do this thing without that family of God. And so I hang in there. Well, what happens when it gets rough? You hang in there. My grandmother taught me how to persevere. I asked her one time, I was like, why do you go to church? Like, we don't ever do any of the songs that you like. She's like, it's my family. And I don't walk out of my family. Well, okay, I guess we're a family that doesn't walk out on family. But what happens if they do a song that I don't like? You suck it up and you deal with it. What happens if this? You suck it up and you deal with it because we don't walk out on family. What happens if the Lord doesn't answer one of my prayers? I hang in there because I don't follow him because he gives me what I want. He's not Santa Claus. I've fallen in love with it. 
My why is strong enough in the faith in order to let me persevere through a lot of hard stuff. I want to read uh, Philippians 3, uh, 12 through 14, and I've got verse 13 on the screen. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already achieved perfection. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So I've got this verse that's rattling around in my head. It's like, well, how in the world do you hit the end of the race? You keep putting one foot in front of the other, but my feet hurt. I know. We got to make it. Alex Honnold hanging off the side of El Capitan. How in the world do you put one hand in front of another? Because <laughs> the option is not worth thinking about. I've got to keep going this direction because the I quit button when I'm hanging off the side of the mountain is not worth thinking about. So I've got to build in here a strong enough why to let me persevere. Okay, now... This, this is where we start running into some different things. Because a lot of, at least, say, guys and girls, we can get kind of pig-headed about a lot of stuff. What happens if I have an incredibly strong why? All of us know people that just, like, they are graced with just self-control and just through raw determinism, they will just bulldoze through life. Does anyone know people like that? That it's just like, man, you are hard to be around. And it's like, I'm trying not to be hard to be around, but it's like, I'm trying to plow through all of this stuff and I have to keep going forward because I can't go backwards. Well, eventually your body just wears out, you know, like what happens if Alex Honnold is on the side of El Capitan? What happens if Sir Edmund Hillary wakes up in the morning and he just keeps pushing through? It's like, hey, have you stopped and got lunch yet? I don't have time to eat. Like, well, All right. And you keep pushing through and you keep pushing through, eventually your body will just quit. If Alex Honnold is not uh, putting food into his body, eventually his arm muscles, his leg muscles will just fail him. And I don't care how determined you think that you are, and I don't care how strong your why is, a strong enough why will not keep you on the mountain if you are not resting and refueling. Or... Get a coach. Got my stuff backwards, I'm sorry. So I've got to sit there and be like, okay, I want to be here. But my arms are weak and they are tired and they are falling apart. Well, how about you find a place to rest? If you've ever seen mountain climbers rest, it looks like the most terrifying thing in the world. They will wedge their feet in like a crack in the rocks and they will just dangle to let their arms rest. And I'm just like, God, you are hanging on by literally your kneecap. Or they will put their hand in a rock and like make a fist and then just dangle over nothing. It's like, you're out of your mind. I don't ever want to do that. Just for the record, this is not me like, I'm going to take up rock climbing. I'll never do that. I'll never do that. So you have got to figure out times in your life that you are resting and refueling. Twinkies, fun, they don't provide nutrients for you. They might keep you alive, 
But if you're, if you're wanting to go the journey that God has planned for you, Twinkies are not enough of a fuel source to keep your head in the game. Now, I want to ask you, like, as we've just come off Thanksgiving, way fun. If we ate like we do this season all year long, not good. All right. Think about what your nutrition looks like with your mind. Think about what you're feeding your mind. Think about what you're feeding your soul. When you get on the internet, what is being washed over your brain? And then you get frustrated that you don't have enough emotional energy to deal with anything. It's like, because you're eating garbage. If, if we put good nutritious stuff into us, our body has the strength to handle life. Now, I'm not just talking, I mean, obviously, I'm not just talking about physical food. But the physical food you eat has an incredible impact on your spiritual life. The physical food you eat has an incredible impact on your mind, on your soul. With me, if I am not eating, I am the devil to be around. And I think the entire world is just falling apart and I'm the only sane, rational human being. And then I put a Snickers bar in me and it's like, oh, you're right. The world is worth fighting for. So like... Our physical refueling has a tremendous impact on it. But how, when was the last time you just like went and sat in the sun for a second? When was the last time you paused and just deleted social media for a minute? When was the last time you filled your brain with good and wholesome things? I want to read Philippians 4. Uh, today is all about Philippians. I want to read uh, Philippians 4. Um, eight. Now, dear brothers, and, uh, yeah, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. If we just stopped right there, we would have strength to persevere to the end of our lives. If we just stopped with, hey, uh, just think about what's true, we would be able to run our race of faith and not flag and not waver because all the enemy does is traffic in lies. How many people have been taken out of our lives because of some assumption that they've made? How many people have walked away from their families because they got suckered into believing a lie about themselves or about somebody else? How many times have I just completely self-destructed because of a lie that got put in my head? Finally, brothers, fix your thoughts on what is true. Add to truth what's honorable. Because there's a lot of things that might be true of me that aren't necessarily honorable and right, and pure, and lovely, admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. If you would take moments in your life and rest and refuel, take a second, take a break. Not be lazy, not quit, not lay down, not roll over, not play dead, to rest and to refuel, to figure out what emotional, mental energy that you're expending. Okay, so some of the times that we're going through life, I'm, I've got good nutrition, I've got my why, I'm like on the side of the cliff, I don't want to fall and die, so I'm trying to get up to the top of the cliff. A lot of the times in our life, we are, we are doing things incredibly inefficiently, right? I don't know how to climb. So even if my nutrition is on point, even if I desperately want to get to the top of the mountain, I don't have the ability because my skill set is not there. I don't have the knowledge base. So what, I, what would I have to do? I would have to go find somebody that is good at rock climbing and go, hey, 
Will you teach me how to climb rocks? I've got to go find a coach to help me. Now, a lot of the experience that we have with coaches here in our area is like high school, like football coach or soccer coaches. You know, some guy with a clipboard that's like, no, run faster, running the wrong way. You know, like, hey, Johnny, I noticed that you didn't show up to practice two days in a row. Um, I need you to do a little bit better. This is not the type of coaching I'm talking about. I'm talking about like actual adult coaching. If you want to go get a fitness coach, if I want to go up to Rich Fronny and go, make me look like a Greek god, I would have to pay him a lot of money. And he would have to go, you need to eat better. How dare you tell me that I need to change my... And he will go, all right, don't. And Rich Fronning would walk away from me and let me be flabby as long as I want. That's the kind of coaching I'm talking about. Seek after effective coaching. Put effort into it. But at the same time, take responsibility for your own development. I'm hungry. Kitchen's right there. (laughs) I'm just not getting fed. How old are you? How many times have we heard that? I just don't go to church there anymore. Why? Just not getting fed. Are you two? We starve to death because we refuse to take responsibility for our own personal development. I'm not just talking about faith. I'm talking about like how do we engage in relationships? How do you stay in a committed relationship? Go get a coach and talk to them. Pay them money. Talk to them. Get wisdom. And then when you get that wisdom, go practice. Go take that wisdom and put it into practice. If I wanted to go pay Rich Froning thousands of dollars, he would give me probably 20 minutes of, of advice. And then I would have to go spend the rest of the year practicing and implementing that advice into my life. If I went up to Rich Froning and said, make me look awesome, he would tell me, you need to get into the gym and you need to eat less than you're burning. Okay. That seems easy. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Then I have got to go take hours and hours and hours and put that into practice. Okay, when we're talking about our faith, I have got to have people in my life that I have the ability to go up to and go, hey, I feel like I'm falling apart. Do you have any advice for me? And they go, stop acting like a crazy person. Like, okay. Well, it's easier said than done. Do you have any practical tips? Yeah, try this. And I walk away from that, my life is not automatically fixed. I've got to spend hours and hours and hours implementing that advice into my life. And I come back the next week and go, "Um, Paul, I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to get better in this area of my life, and I'm not doing a good job. Well, try this. (sighs) I don't want to try that. I want you just to do it for me. But I go back and if I put the groundwork, if I put the, the mat time, if I put the, the field time into my life, and if I'm putting that wisdom that that coach is giving me into practical demonstration in my life, all of a sudden, hey, I have the ability to do something that last week, that last year, that last decade, I didn't have the ability to do. So in Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 3, 4, 2, 3, and 4, cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. 
Search for them as though you would for silver. Seek them as hidden treasure. Get wisdom. Like, like you're busting your tail at, at your job because you don't want to starve to death. Get wisdom with that same drive. I don't want to starve to death. I don't want to be ignorant. I've got to seek wisdom, not from critics, from coaches. And then I've got to implement that, put that into practice into my life. Okay, my last point. I hate cheesy, cliche sayings, so you're just going to have to forgive me on this one. The reason why I have been able to persevere in my life is because I have had godly men and women coaching me on what to do. I have allowed them to speak into my life and go, hey, if you see me acting like an idiot, please say something. And when they say, hey, you're acting like an idiot, I can't go run away, right? I've got to feed myself with nutritious stuff the best that I can. But the number one reason why I've been able to persevere is because I have got amazing people around me that when I am acting like a doofus, they have the ability to help out a little bit. You have got to find, not the entire church, there's like even just in this room right here, there's too many people to be on your team. You have got to figure out the group of people that you're running with, that you're climbing with, that when you lose sight of where you are on the cliff face that you can go, hey, Cody, where's the, where's the toe hold? I can't, oh, God, where, where is it? And Cody goes, move your foot left, left your other left, right there. Like, okay. Because my friends have the ability to see my life from a different perspective. All right, so it's on my shoulders to communicate to my team, hey, I'm running out of oxygen. Hey, I need help. Now, when I'm a part of a team, I am a part of a team. I don't find a bunch of sled dogs to drag me through life. I'm pouring into my team. My team is pouring into me. It's a team, right? So it's on my shoulders to communicate where I am. How are you doing, Justin? I'm doing pretty good this week. Not so good this week. What's your oxygen level? Because if I, how many times have we heard this? How are you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? I'm all right. And we lie about where our oxygen level is. And when we start suffocating, we drop into the snow. And the most hateful thing in the world is our team walks off and leaves us. Because your teammates are also struggling with their life. And if your team is having to drag you through the rest of your life, you're going to wear them out and they're not going to be able to cross the finish line. But if I have the ability to go, hey, I'm running low of oxygen, I have an extra oxygen to take here. Thank you. Let me you know, get my own oxygen tank in and move on. This is going to be decently graphic, but if you've ever watched a documentary on the way to Everest, all these people that are, are trekking to get their way on top of the mountain, they pass by like 100, or I think it's like 200 and something people that sat down on Everest and never got back up. And there's no critters up there. There's no bacteria up there, so there they sit forever. The enemy will try to get you to say, hey, just sit down. And if no one notices you, that's their fault. Can't believe that you're around a bunch of family. They, they haven't called you in two days. 
They've not texted you in 30 minutes. They hate you because the enemy is trying to get you to sit down. And once you sit down, you don't get back up. And it's like we're talking about serious stuff. People that quit on their families, they just sit down one day and they don't get back up. I'm telling y'all, don't sit down. Communicate. Hey, I'm running low of oxygen. And not just kind of running low of oxygen today. If you were running out of air, you would communicate like somebody that's running out of air, right? Have you ever seen somebody that is like thinking that they're drowning? They're, they're uh, like flapping around. Communicate with your team that you're running out of air. And when your teammates hand you a bottle of oxygen, use it. Use it. 